How you doing, everybody? I'm Mike Cavalieri. I played Ned Randall on The Next Karate Kid, and you're listening to Cobra Kai Companion. Welcome to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion. Today's interview is with Michael Cavalieri, who played Ned Randall from The Next Karate Kid. Michael shares his amazing journey and how he became an actor and also getting the role of Ned from The Next Karate Kid. Michael, who also wrote and directed his first film, Returnado, shares his experience behind the camera and talks about using his experience in working with untrained actors from a different country. As a young man, he talks about having played football and an injury that sidelined him from potentially a different career path, got into acting, and from what he shares, you can tell he was driven and had the confidence in the world to become who he is today. And this is our conversation. Hello, Michael. How are you? How are you, Michael? I am doing good, sir. How are you? I'm, I'm amazing. Thank you very much. I've done a little research on you. You, you. Do you still have family in Italy? Yeah, I just we came back from Italy. Um, I shot the first film that I wrote and directed, produced in Sicily. I won a uh, award from Manaya, the Russo brothers, uh, who directed, obviously, uh, Avengers Endgame. Oh, right. And, yes. Uh, just, yeah. It's pretty awesome. The, the highest grossing movie of all time. Also, I won uh, the World Fest in Houston, which I was supposed to be there this uh, actually this weekend. Uh, we, we won Best Picture for our category. And then um, I was selected to the Terramina Film Festival in, in, in Sicily, a very, very prestigious festival, one of the biggest in Italy. That uh, just was canceled. So it's been very, very difficult. But uh, family's doing okay. They're it's doing good. good there. So. And, good to hear. Yeah. Yeah, um, one of our listeners, um, shout-outs to uh, Chiara. She's actually from Sicily. She's one of our listeners. Ah, ciao. Yeah. Ciao, how are you? Where is she from in Sicily? Uh, I, I don't know exactly, but, but I do know Sicily for sure. Um, she okay. has uh, She has some family in northern Italy, and she's, you know, right. like anybody else, you know, she's kind of concerned for their well-being. So sure. I, sure, I'm, I'm sure. glad to hear your family's doing well. Is it Chiara with a C, right? Chiara? It, uh, C-H. Uh, I, I, I thought it was a hard K sound, but uh, you would yeah. probably know. Chiara. Tell, hi, Chiara. Ciao, and I wish your family the best, wherever they are. And, and uh, follow me at, at Returnato the movie. It's all about Sicily. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, definitely, uh, we'll definitely talk about that, that movie here. <laughs> um, sure. So, well, first and foremost, you know, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to speak with you and uh, to talk about some of your work here. Sure, sure. It's my pleasure. It's an honor for me. It's been a long time with the, the, the next Karate Kid, a very long time. <laughs> it has been, yeah. uh, indeed. Yeah. Um, when I invite people onto the show, I like to know a little bit more about them as well. Um, I know that the, the yeah. listeners, they also enjoy uh, hearing behind-the-scenes stories and, and things of that nature. Sure. Uh, where, where did you grow up exactly? I grew up in uh, Queens, uh, Whetstone, Queens, uh, in New York City. A little, uh, little outside of New York, in the Bronx as well. Uh, uh, 
maybe about uh, it's about 30 minutes from Manhattan. Um, you know, like Brooklyn, Queens. That that's the uh, Brooklyn, Queens. Those are the boroughs. You know what I mean? So Bronx. I grew Queens in the Bronx. Now, what what, uh, what what type of kid were you? Are you the stereotype that you know from uh, from that region of the country? No, you know it's funny. I, I there's a physicality that you might have. It's dark because I'm obviously I'm, I'm Sicilian or Italian American, so you got that edgy, dark, whatever. You know, people always think that you're this, uh, you know, troublemaker or you know, villain as we see. <laughs> but no, it was more. You know, I was a very actually a very very uh, great athlete in, in high school and college. Um, you know, I was my captain of my football team, all city, all state, all that stuff. I went to scholarship in college to play football. Um, but uh, I worked out a lot and, and stayed to myself. I trained a lot, you know what I mean? Overcoming a lot of fear, a lot of obstacles. You know, it's an amazing thing when you're young and people tell you you can't do something. You know, you want to go to prep school, but you can't because your grades aren't good enough. How bad do you want to go? You know what I mean? Right. So that happened to me in high school. I wanted to go to this prep school, Holy Cross, and I was at another school in the Bronx that it was a good school, but I, my grades weren't high enough originally to go to the Holy Cross. I said, well, I got to get in. It's the best school in town. So freshman year, I went to the Bronx and did my thing. And then uh, next year, Holy Cross. And next year after that, captain. Next year after that, all city. And then uh, I went on to college, and I was a walk-on in college, which was very difficult. But it ended up at the end of spring practice becoming a you know, four-year scholarship. So it, it's fascinating. you know. And I was very, very close to my mom. Uh very, very close. Uh, typical Italian family, actually. Um, but I lost her at a very young age. I lost her when I was 23 to cancer, and uh, that was very difficult. But that, you know, the relationships early on, when you're younger as a you know young man, that really, really defines who you are. So it's been it's been a wonderful uh, experience to reach back and think about all the conversations and all the wonderful moments that we share together. This way, I can move forward in my life. You know, as a man, it really helped me. So I feel very fortunate for a lot of things. What type of mother was she? Did she give you a lot of tough love? No, she, my mother was a very, very quiet woman, uh, very supportive, non-judgmental, and always, always like, if you believe in that, honey, then you should do this. Very you supportive. Know, she only had a third grade. Yeah, she only had a third grade education. My father only had a third grade education. You know, very, very coming from another country and stuff like that. So, um, I was the first one to graduate a prep school. I was the first one to graduate college. They didn't really know when I came home. It was a funny story. When I got to college and I was walked on, I said, you know, I'll have to pay for the first semester. And they're like, no, no, we'll pay. I said, no, no, I'll pay. And then by spring practice, when I ended up getting a scholarship, after the, after the spring game, I came home and, and I was at the dinner table. And I'm like, so my dad's like, so how did it go? I said, ah, it's good. You know, da, da, da. And my mom goes, how did you do? I said, I'm doing great. She goes, how's school? I said, it's good. And he goes, when's your first game? I said, uh, and he goes, uh, I said, oh, by the way, you won't have to pay for school anymore. And he looked at me and they didn't really understand that. I'm like, what do you mean? We have to, you have to go. I said, no, no, you don't have to pay because I'm going for free. What do you mean? You know, they started to cry. It was, it was a beautiful thing. And, and it's just, uh, you know, it's just uh, the work and the support and the proud, you see how proud they were and, and, and not even understanding really what it was really at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the fact that their son was able to overcome a lot of stuff to, uh, to achieve that goal is pretty impressive. So yeah, very supportive lady. My dad as well, just, um, very fortunate. I'm a very fortunate young man in that respect, losing them. And that's another story. We'll talk about that. I'm sure later on, but, um, yeah, she was great. Dad was great too. 
That's awesome. Now, you, you, you mentioned, you know, um, playing football, being the captain of the team and, and your scholarship. Uh, what, at what point in your life did you decide to get into acting? Well, after I left college, I got hurt in college. I broke my ankle. Uh, and I, I had, I had uh, shots at, you know, at the time at like the USF, USFL and things like that. And when I realized it wasn't going to happen because I was getting hurt a lot, I said, you know what? I got I to gotta go back and use my college stuff. And I started working on Wall Street. And I would work at night. I would take the train down maybe about 3 o'clock in the afternoon and work night shifts, you know, to get my foot in the door. And I met this guy on the train. You know, I was in a suit and tie. He's like, you know, you remind me of this guy. Da 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 da. He used to call me like a mix between John Travolta and Ken Wall at the time, and <laughs> Tom Cruise. A mix between all these guys. And I'm like, really? He goes, I'm an agent. Da 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 da. He gives me his card, and I'm like, you know, I'm never gonna call this guy, right? You know, I'm not. Anyway, after a while, I was like, you know, I really don't want to work on Wall Street. I don't want to do these late hours. I don't want to do this. I'm very creative, so I called the guy, and uh, he brought me into his office. It was at J. Michael Bloom, a very, very prestigious uh, agency in New York at the time. And I went in and he goes, uh, can you read this for me? I'm like, what is it? Go, just read it. So I read it. And he goes, wow, you're a natural. I said, I don't know, I'm just reading the material. He's like, you know, I'd like to represent you. I'm like, really? So he represented me and I got my first job. We came out to California, a movie called Book of Love that I, like the first month I was in California, I got that. And I worked on that for a long time, uh, like maybe four or five weeks, which was like, wow, this is easy. You know, this is an easy business. <laughs> and, uh, and then I really, you know, then my mom got sick with cancer and uh, I had to go back to New York after. So finished the movie, went back to New York and then I was in New York for a few years and then she passed away. So I turned around after she passed away and I said, okay, well, I got to go back to LA. Went back at probably 93 and, uh, you know, I was toiling a little bit, to be honest with you. I wasn't really doing well and trying to figure it out. And I had this really, really small manager at the time and blah, blah, blah. And he calls me, goes, and I was at the gym. I'll never forget. He's like, hey, I got a meeting for him. I'm like, for what? He was like, for this movie, you just got to go. I'm like, all right. So he goes, where, where are the jacket? I'm like, okay. <laughs> where are the jacket? I said, okay. He goes, yeah, tomorrow. I'm like, all right. So I wear a leather jacket. I go in and um, to uh, Warner Brothers. On my motorcycle at the time, I had a motorcycle. Anyway, I go in and I meet the casting director, Joy Todd. She's a beautiful lady. And uh, she says, you know, we've seen it. She goes, where are you from? I said, from New York. Da, da, da. She was, you athletic? I said, yeah, pretty, I'm a pretty good athlete. Da, da, da. So she goes, let's read the scene. We read the scene and she says, I can take your jacket off. I said, sure. Uh, and I was, at the time, I was, you know, pretty well-built guy. So she goes, all right, great. Blah, blah, blah. I get home and maybe like an hour later, the manager goes, you got a call back tomorrow. I'm like, for what? He goes, I don't know what it was. He goes, for this movie. I'm like, what's the name? He goes, I don't know. So, <laughs> so I go back the next day, and I don't even know the name of this movie yet, right? So I go back again, and I read, and I'm there with, like, one other person, producer, and that's the lady, and I read again. Same thing. And that's it. I don't hear anything. About three weeks later, I get a call from my manager. He goes, listen. He goes, you're going in to meet the producers. You're going to meet Jerry Wancha. I'm like, Really? He goes, yeah, this is a big movie. I'm like, what is it? He goes, Karate Kiss. No way. Blah, blah, blah. You know, and I, was a, I wasn't a big fan, but I was a fan. I knew the movie. You know what I mean? I knew the movie. Um, so the greatest, probably the greatest movie up until that time, box office and action movie until that time, I think, in the 80s, right? The late 80s, early 80s, late 80s, yeah. I would think. So it was a funny story, a really interesting story. So I went in, met with Jerry, 
And then, he, you know, he's from New York, so he's like, hey, kid, how you doing? I said, I'm good, good, good. Start talking, da, 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 da. Where you from? I tell him, boo, 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 boo. He goes, all right, let's do the scene. So I did the scene, and, and uh, Christopher Kane was there, the director at the time as well. He was very nice. And, and uh, I did the scene. I was, all right, great, thank you. That was it. All right. <laughs> so I leave. I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to get this job. A week later, they call me again. They said, listen, I want to bring you in for a screen test. I'm like, what? Are you serious right now? So now I'm getting nervous. You know, I never experienced this. I don't have much experience. I don't really know what the hell's going on. You know, it's a very, it's, it's one of the biggest franchises ever. Let's be honest. Whoa. This is serious. And I'm like, wow. So I never forget, you know, losing my mom and, 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 you know, having her in my heart. And I never forget. I drove up in my little, I had a Dodge Colt, Peter. It was a little beat up bar. <laughs> like seats ripped out of it. My dog, you know, choose the seats. And I'm sitting in front of Warner Brothers. I never forget. There was a Taco Bell across the street. And I was on the other side parked and I had like a three o'clock appointment for screen test. And I always used to listen to like music and get fired up before I go into a, to an audition, you know, yeah. all fired up. So I said, okay, man, this is it. This is it. This is what it is. This is why you're here. This is what it's about. Do what you're doing. Just do what you're doing. You know what I mean? Do what you do. So, uh, went in and there was a few other guys there, notably Walter, Walton Goggins. I think his name was, he works a lot now was there and uh he was on the sitting on a step and i walked over and and you know sat down or whatever and it was just him and i and one other guy had already left i believe so they called him next and i was sitting there and i said to myself and i don't mean this to be arrogant or cocky i said i'm i'm, I'm gonna get this job i'm gonna get this job in my head i'll say that out you know i wouldn't be cocky to say that but in my head i felt a good thing about it you know and he walked out and he had like no jacket on and like in a tank top. And I was like, nah, I'm definitely going to get this job now. So I walked in, went in and he told me to wait outside. So can you imagine him and I are about three feet apart <laughs> standing there, you know, and we're looking at each other and I'll never forget it. They called my name. And I was like, Oh shit, I didn't get it. So I turned and I started to walk back and I walked into the office and they sit me down and he goes, uh, so he goes, so, Who's your agent? I'm like, da da da. He's like, so you're going to Boston for six months. I'm like, what? He goes, congratulations. I'm like, no way. I start crying. I jumped <laughs> on Jerry, like over the desk. <laughs> jumped on Jerry, gave him a hug and kiss, like, you know, Chris, the, the director, and I started to cry. I said, you know, you don't understand. I lost my mom, you know, not too long ago, and my dad, my dad was dying of cancer at that same time. And I said, you know, it's been very difficult, and da da da. He goes, well, listen, kid, we're shooting in Boston. I know you live in New York. He goes, so. If you ever need anything, you want to go to New York, we'll take care of you. I was like, wow. So I came out and I remember seeing this guy walking away, you know, when he told me he didn't get the part. But that's happened to me so many times in my career. I know what it felt like. I saw him walking really nice for the first time in my life to feel something that I, you know, got something nice for myself. You know what I mean? With all that stuff. Yeah, it was a great experience. I remember driving up over the hill crying, crying back to my apartment, tears in this car. And I'm like, I made it, I made it. Driving around, like, wow, I can't believe that. I was like flying, you know, you're like floating. Yeah, like like on cloud nine. Yeah, it was, you know, to have, you know, because you feel like you belong. You feel like, you know, all the struggles, all the stuff you went through, all the hard work, all the loss, all the pain, and you kept pushing, you kept your nose in and you kept pushing. 
something really went your way. And it really felt, I was very grateful for it. And I was very proud of it. And I was very proud that my mom, wherever she was, was going to look down on my dad as sick as he was and have something to make him feel good. And uh, it was just a beautiful, beautiful day for me. Beautiful experience. So that's the background on how I got that part. Crazy, right? Yeah, it, that's that's an amazing story. Like, oh, everything just went right for you. Yeah, and it doesn't usually happen like that, Peter. You know, it's really not the way it works. It's just that particular time. I think, and I don't be, want to sound, you know, God, whatever, but I think he was looking out for me, knowing that we had lost my mom, and my dad was very, very sick, and broke. I had no money. I was living basically in my car, and like in a one-room apartment with nothing, like a, a bachelor apartment with my dog, and no beds, and no pillows, nothing, living like a dog. So with my dog, living like a dog. And, um, you know, it, it's just, it turned my life around in a lot of ways. It pulled me out of the gutter in a lot of ways, emotionally, financially, and, and helped me just to kind of get a clarity and get myself above water for the first time in a long time. So I always be grateful for this movie. Always be grateful. Always. Wow. That's, always. Yeah. That's an incredible story. Um, after you got the role of Ned, What's the process like? Do you guys go into a um, like a table read? Uh, when do you start meeting other cast members like the late Pat Morita and Hilary Swank? Yeah, he was awesome. So Hilary and I had met at the screen test previous, but you know, like a couple weeks later, we screen tested with her, and so we had met a few times before. Um, and then yeah, we had the, the table read, and that was pretty awesome to see Pat Morita, Hilary, myself, and, and the other cast. It was just like wow, Pat was he was an incredible guy. I mean, character, character you cannot imagine. Just the sweetest man and just always happy and, and just generous as an actor, generous with the camera, generous with his uh, tips on how to shoot this way. Michael, do this. You're, you're brilliant. Do what you're doing. You know, whatever it was, he just was a beautiful, beautiful person. And, and to be in the company of that great, great franchise with Jerry Wontraub and the biggest people in the world at the time, at that table was just mind blowing. Just for me, and everywhere I go, Peter, everywhere all over the world, everywhere I go, I'm known. It's crazy. I go to Italy, I go to Spain, I go here, but everybody knows me. It's a trip. It's like, wow. Many years later, they still, oh, you're, I've got a girl in Mexico, one of my biggest fans in my fan club. She, she writes to me all the time. She's like, you changed my life. Mariela, she, her name, she's so beautiful. And she calls <laughs> me and I, we became friends. And, you changed my life. This movie was the greatest movie. And da da da. As a young girl, it's just, it was beautiful. It's beautiful to me. Let's touch people. You know what I mean? It's just amazing. So you have the uh, read through, and then we started to do kind of like some stunt rehearsals to practice. And also, a, a coach Pat Johnson was with the martial arts. Uh, Pat did all the movies, so we would. Work, I would work out with Pat up in Sherman Oaks here, where I live. Not far, there was a place to work out, so we'd work out on some of the stunts and da da da, just to get a little acquainted with what we needed to do. And then, you know, we went to Boston maybe a month before because we we started working on the stunts there and doing stuff there and just having rehearsals. And because fight rehearsals are kind of a little bit different than regular rehearsals, so we worked on that stuff so that when we were ready to go on the set, we were ready. So that's how that. And Boston is just incredible. So. That's kind of what it was. Now, th this um, the next the next credit kid, it being the fourth installment, and you are the lead bad guy, right? The quote unquote the bad guy. Was there did did you feel any pressure because this was the fourth movie uh, at all? No, no, no. I don't feel like it. you know it's a different. I'm a different actor than those guys, by the way. 
you know, Billy's doing what he's doing, whatever he does, I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm just a different actor, different feel, different person. So, you know, when you go into something, you know, it's, there's a, I, I think there's a, some kind of a rhythm in this, in the movies. What I mean by that is that the characters are kind of the same in a lot of ways. So the basic bad guy in a way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, it's just the way that you're, you're, what I try to do with my character and it's really difficult. So I'm, I'm fighting a girl. So it's a little bit harder for me, I believe to physically, I mean, I physically, I, I could have, physically in a normal way, I would have been able to, you know, whatever would, you know, destroy Hillary in a fight as a normal person. But in a movie, you have to make it believable. So you have to surrender to the circumstances of letting Hillary be this unbelievable or Julia at the time, uh, unbelievable fighter who can take you out. So at first it was a little bit uncomfortable. They're like, wait, wait hold on. You know, a girl's going to but And but, you know, you're an actor, so you act, and you do the best you can to make her look great and do the best you can to make yourself, your performance authentic and to let people be moved by it in some way. You know, some tears and some emotions, some vulnerability. So I tried to find moments, especially with uh, Dugan's character, like where I became a little bit more vulnerable and I didn't want to do it. And I'm like, no, no. You know, try to find a moment where the guy starts to shine another side to the guy. And then also at the end with Patty comes up to me and, we, you know, whatever, and there's a little moment there where there's kind of like an understanding, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it was, it was a little bit, nothing from the other guys. I don't feel any, I think they're all good in their own right. I don't feel any competition with them. Just with just different actors, different take, different feel. I, I think, like I say, my situation was a little bit difficult because it was a girl, a woman. So to be believable against a woman is hard in a sense, because I was a lot bigger than Hillary. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I mean, what, are, what is your feeling on that? Because you watch all the movies, you know. How do you feel about it? You, you know, you, you do make a point with her being a female that you have to fight against, where the, the previous installments, you know, it, it's man versus man, and they're physically, they're, they're comparable. Do you feel like you had to hold back or uh, d- during the fight choreo- choreography and things like that? Sure, sure. I mean, let's be, let's be real. You know... <laughs> If I was doing what they were doing, it'd be a different experience, right? I mean, if I was fighting against, you know, Billy or, or Ralph or whoever, I, you know, it would be a different thing for me. You know, if you see some of my other, how strong I am in some of my other movies, like, you know, you would see not only as an actor, but as a, you know, charismatic and how powerful you can be, you know, and you're a little bit older than the part represents, you know, if you, the part is 14 or 15 or high school, you're 17 or, you know what I mean? So it's kind of hard to kind of, uh, you got to hold back a little bit you got to hold back and you got to really, really get inside yourself and just try to work around the, uh, what you're given, you know what I mean? And, 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 uh, that's what you do. And then try to make Hillary look great. And she did. And you try to make yourself look decent and you do, and, and, and try to make it as believable as possible and give everything you can. And, and just, but yeah, I do feel like, I feel like, like actually the new show, I would love to be on the new show because I think that it would be interesting to have me, Ned, who is the, the <laughs> the bad guy against one of them, the bad guy, or whoever they were, and see how that would work out. See how that would work out. That would be, be uh, very interesting indeed. You, you bring up the show Cobra Kai. Uh, do you feel your character, Ned, is misunderstood at all? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we all are. I think we're, you know, when you're young, you want to be part of something. You know, you want to be part of something. You want to be part of a group. Or you want to be part of a gang. You want to be part of a team. And, 
And, you know, when you, you don't realize until you start to see things that are just, it just all of a sudden you start to see things go wrong in a way that you can actually step away from and say, what's going on? In the movie, for me, I'm, like, I'm all in, and all of a sudden I see him on the girl, and he wants me to finish the guy, and he wants, I'm like, no, I'm not doing this. It's ridiculous. It's idiotic what we're doing now. You know what I mean? It's not believable anymore for me. It, as an actor and as a person in the story, I said, I can't do that. I don't want to hurt somebody seriously. You know, in the movie, that's what they wanted. Seriously, take them out. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So that's the feeling on that. You know, you get in any, in anything you're doing, you, you people are, you, you follow it, you follow it until an event maybe makes you open your eyes and say, wait a minute, what am I doing here? And that's kind of what happened with my character. So like I'm, I'm at this thing fighting with her and then this guy, and then the, the guy wants to like, finish this guy off. And he's a little bit crazy, you know, he's a little crazy. So I'm like, oh, there's a part of humanity that comes out of this kid, you know, and that's what happens. And part of like, what am I doing? I'm trying to, what I did with Ned, I felt like if there was another piece to the story, that Ned would be friends with Julie or try to learn men fences and maybe be on her side and try to figure out how we can take down Dugan. That's how my mentality was. How do we get past this to the next place? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what I was thinking. But you know, unfortunately, you know, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> this is life. Now, do you uh, happen to have any insight on the prom scene where the alpha elite bungee jump in the mm -hmm. middle of the, the dance? Oh, I can tell you a story, but you'll probably make fun of me for the rest of my life. Too, but I, will <laughs> I wouldn't do that. So, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I think it's wonderful. So, back to Tufts University. Uh, and at the time, I was afraid of heights. I didn't realize how afraid of heights I was. So... In Tufts University, there's like a curved ceiling. What I mean by that, there's like a, there's the ceiling, and then underneath there's like this metal grating that you climb up and kind of go around the ceiling, kind of up and around. You know what I mean? If you understand, it kind of goes up to, around the ceiling. It kind of, it's like almost like a, like a London Bridge kind of, like the, uh, how do I say, like a, anyway, I went up first. I had to climb up first. I was okay. the lead actor, so you have to go up. So I'm climbing up, and I must be 30 feet air, you know, and I'm climbing up this metal ring, and 35, and I look down, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, got, I froze. And I started hugging onto the thing, the railing so tight that I wouldn't let go. Couldn't let go. Panicked. And I got three guys underneath me, you know, standing there. I'm like, you got to get me down. You got to get me down. <laughs> you got to get me down. So, you know, I hung on, I hung on, I hung on, and finally, finally, I settled myself down, and then I actually did the stunt myself. Wow. So, yeah, and it was into, like, a like a bag, and then, you know, you do, like, a half of it, and then you do the other half of it. So, but I was scared out of my wits, out of my wits up there, and they were laughing at me. It was hilarious. There's a big man up there, Mr. Macho, and I'm stuck up there, he's crying. <laughs> No, so it was fun. I wouldn't yeah, make fun of you at all. Thing. I, I too am scared of heights, so I commend you uh, for for you know going through uh, it. Definitely. Yeah. And you know the scene the roof, right? Uh huh. The hall. Yes. Right. So, uh, Eric over in the thing, and I got him on the edge of the roof. We were literally on that roof, and we were not far from the edge of the roof. And I'm like Jerry. I said Jerry, you know, not for nothing, but this is not a, you know, we can go over. Nah, kid, don't worry. But I said Jerry, this is not good. So. Pat hooked me up on a harness, like a cable harness, because I was actually, I did all my stunts, so I would flip him and I would actually end up on the edge of this, the thing. You know, you see me hanging inside of the building pretty much. So I said, please lock me in. 
so they did. They put me on a harness just in case I decided to go over, and they would, I would, I would survive it. But yeah, it was, it was very interesting, fun, fun. Wow, I, I'm surprised that they uh, let, let you do your own stunt too. Is that something that you just wanted to do? No, you know, it's like I guess maybe because I'm, I was athletic, and it wasn't like it was. It wasn't something that was so like. I think it wasn't because it was like jumping off a building. It was just like a, I was flipping him in a fight sequence. Okay. And it, 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 I think because we weren't so close to the edge, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We probably were a lot further from the edge than what I felt we were, if you know what I'm saying. Like, you know, you, you, you feel like when you're on a roof, you know, it's like you could be seven feet away from the edge of the roof, but you can feel like you're on the edge of the roof. Oh, right. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I'm feeling. I don't know how, maybe I wasn't like three feet, maybe I was five feet. But the fact that you're flipping somebody, who knows what can happen if you make a mistake? You know what I mean? But I'm sure I was far enough back, but the point is the, the reference point looking down and saying, oh, Christ, I'm going to go off the script. You know, it's a little bit daunting, you know what I mean? But I did it. Yeah. I did it. Now, you've uh, played in, um, or you've played uh, some other different type of characters on, on TV shows, um, mm-hmm. NYPD Blue, I, I feel, was one of them. Was that, is that correct? Uh, I might be getting the title wrong here. No, NYPD Blues, okay. Sopranos. Yeah, York. yeah. So, yeah, w- which do you like, or do you have a preference in playing may- maybe a bad guy or a good guy? No, I actually like playing a guy that people think is probably, you know, who has an edge, but really is a vulnerable character. Somebody who has depth and somebody who's, who, who you feel a presence about dangerous, maybe, or, you know, that you feel him in the room and you're not sure what it's going to happen. And you're not sure where he's coming from. My film, Ritonato, which is, which is based on a true story, based on my mother and my, my, my grandfather immigrating from Sicily. Um, it was a story that I went back to Sicily for the first time and I found my grandfather's, I found my grandfather's brother who I didn't know existed. And, you know, when I wrote the movie and it was really, really moving to me and, and, and like the stone cutter that I did was a very, very, very wonderful, passionate film, the street sweeper. These are all films that won film festivals all over the world that really don't, didn't get enough. The because are not big in the big, you know, big theaters, but they're all very sensitive, vulnerable, characters with you know family stories family driven stories you know what i mean uh, mm-hmm. peter yeah that means something like the stone the stone card i was i was reviewed in the la times a big review but you know in the calendar section which is really beautiful and then you know i got reviewed by a lot of great people just recently got a beautiful review about my film and about myself and it's really just wonderful i think for me it's it's i love drama i love drama i think it's wonderful but i have a side of me that's a little quirky funny that my wife laughs at me she goes you know you have a lot of humor so Within that dangerous character, the humor is really important. So you try to find those moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the complexity of people. You know, I don't like to make it just one way. I like the complexity and the to color the character as much as I can. You know what I mean? So that's me. Absolutely. Um, well, as we get ready to wrap up, we've talked about some of your roles behind the camera, and you know, you, you mm-hmm. briefly brought up your your film uh, Ritornato. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about maybe some of the challenges? You, so you wrote the film as well, but some of the challenges behind the camera. Oh, that was fun. So, Rito Nato, after I won this award, I, you know, I, I, I never directed before. I didn't know what I was doing, and I really wanted to do this movie. And I said, you know what? If I don't do it, no one's going to do it, Peter. You know, if, it's, if I don't do this movie, no one's going to do this movie. You know, so they gave me a certain amount of money to shoot the film. And it was not a lot of money, trust me. So I, I flew to Sicily. 
knew, knowing that I had uh, my cousin there who can get me certain locations that I can kind of work in, I rode around those parameters. Now, I never directed before. Always had a vision that I could do it, um, but I wasn't sure. And I have another script that I wrote that I was working on, and I was, I'm going to star in it, but I said, I don't think I can do it. Anyway, so I said, let me just take a shot at the short film. So what I did, I started to watch a lot of older Italian films, a lot of older French films, and I started, you know, basically going through film school for myself, you know, and just really studying the art and studying the camera positions and studying, you know, this and then I also the actors, you know, so as actors, I, you know, whatever. So and I, and I, I created my plan that was comfortable for me, and I would rehearse with my wife because she was in it. We would rehearse every day. During the rehearsal time. Um, we do a lot of improvisational stuff and this and that. And I would hear the story and I would hear her, you know, her performances. And, and what I would do is I would envision the way that I saw the scene, the way I wrote the scene. I have a video memory. Like I, I, I video, my brain is like a video. I see it as a movie. I see the shot. I see what I want. I see the vision. So with that video vision of mine that I use, I write notes and I took the script and I started writing notes on the ledger of this shot and that shot and remembering the moments that this thing, these things happen, the true circumstances. And I remembered all those moments and I would ledger, I would write on the ledger and I had this vision and this, this task. And every day I would write down the shots and then every day I would write down, this is what I need to accomplish in the scene. And this is what I want. Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, obviously I have friends in the business and I've been an actor. So I used that part of it to work with the actors. And I remember trying to get my cousin to understand what he needed to do. And he goes, cousin, I no problem, no problem. He doesn't speak much English, so it was very funny. I had met one person that was there in Sicily, uh, and Fabrizio, a wonderful young man, and we would talk like every day for three months on the phone. He didn't have good English. So here I am hiring a whole cast that aren't actors. They're just people from this town, and nobody speaks English. <laughs> so I said to myself, oh, my Lord. So I had a friend that my wife worked with in an Italian restaurant and I, we were very good friends and he was, he was my tutor. And I said, Joseph, I said, listen, I want you to come to Sicily with me. Then I goes, what do you mean? I said, I want you to come. He says, you come with me and I want you to play this part. So when I wrote the movie, there was a translator that with me who traveled around with me when I did this, when I, when I first went to Sicily and he was the one who helped me find my grandfather. So I wrote the part as a translator. So Joseph, ends up coming with me to Sicily and I wrote him a part in the movie and he was on the set with me. So we had rehearsals, like three or four days of rehearsals, and I would, before I left, I wrote notes to them, and I translated on Google Translate in Italian, and I sent them notes on every part of all the characters, and I sent them, this is what you should wear, this is what I want, these are the notes, and they would study it. And I had a little boy playing me that was phenomenal, and I, you know, I sent him a Karate Kid t-shirt, he wears it in the movie, it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's, you know, it's funny, and, and you'll see the movie. So all that was my preparation, and then when I got to Sicily, and my cousin had no idea what to do. So I said, oh boy. So what I did was I got the cast together and we had lunch together, we had dinner together and we would talk about it through the translator and emotionally how the scene would work. And we would explain it to them and let them work. And what I did was I said, guys, this is what it is, but I want you to bring your emotions to this scene. With these words, whatever's real for you and authentic for you, bring this to me. So it's kind of like neo-realistic filmmaking, Peter, you know what I mean? That kind of thing mm -hmm. where, you know, you study this, that's what I studied, the Sika and people like that. And I would watch and I said, okay, this is what we want. And we want authenticity. I don't care about anything else. But I want you to be real. And 
if I can tell you the performances were just magnetic. It was like, wow. And the feelings, they, call, they still call me today, a year later, like, Michael, we love you, we miss you. You know, I just wrote the second part. We're going to go there and shoot it in 2021. Well, they come looking for me because the, one of the characters died and they, they want, want me to come home back to Sicily. So I just wrote that movie for them and we're going to do it in 2021. We just accepted the Termina, but it got canceled. But anyway, these guys are like family for life. And you don't even speak the same language, Peter. They're just emotionally, the love that they had for the piece and love that they had for me to do something for that country not because I wanted money, not because I wanted anything, it's because I love the passion. I love, I'm passionate about it. I love the project. I love the people. I love my grandfather, my mother, and that's why I did it. There was no money for me. I didn't make any money. It wasn't, if you're doing it, if you're an artist and you're trying to make money, you're in trouble. You do it because you love it. And then hopefully something from there comes, and then if you get paid, great. So, and you know what? We did well with it, and people received it really, really well. And you work with people, I realize, you know, you, you just, you give them the information. You give them a place to feel comfortable. You give them a place to feel supported. You don't judge and you let them do what they do. And if you know how to cast people as a director, you win. If you don't cast well, you lose. That's the first thing you have to see. He's right for the part. It doesn't matter. He's right. And whatever he does in that part's right. You know what I mean? And that's my perception of that's how, that's how I worked. That's what I did. And that's, I'll go by my, my instinct all the time. Where will uh, people be able to see this? Well, in Portland, right? Yes. Unfortunately. See, I was, I was, I think we were in this festival there as well. Oh. Um, well, yeah, I'll let you know, we were, we were now, um, you know, I was, I was, like I said, I was supposed to be in Houston. I was in New York with it. I'm supposed to be in St. Louis with it. Um, Because of coronavirus, we've been canceled everywhere. So um, NIAF, the National Italian American Federation, wants me to put my film on their website, but I just don't want to do that just yet because I want to show it in the big big theater. So um, I've been talking to Amazon a little bit about it, but I'm doing the second half, so I may hold it back until I do the second half. So we can maybe do a limited series or like a a two-hour movie because it kind of continues where I left off. So right now we're just kind of figuring out what we want to do and how do we want to approach it. But um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. You go on, like I said, you go on my, uh, the out of the movie, you can see a lot of pictures and some clips and stuff. It's really beautiful. Okay. I love every, all of you guys to come and take a look and you write to me. We'll talk, whatever. And of course you'll be in touch with me now. You're, you're like a friend. We're friends. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you're just great. What you're doing is an amazing thing. Well, thank and whoever's you. listening out there, Peter's awesome, and, and I appreciate you that you love the franchise, and I'm honored to be part of this and, and to talk with you. It's, it's been a great thing for me, so I think it's great. And that concludes my conversation with Michael Cavalieri. I want to thank him again for giving me the opportunity to pick his brain and just hear his stories, uh, working on The Next Credit Kid and also his film, Returnado. Uh, which also, if you check the show notes, I will provide a link where you can follow his filmmaking journey and also his Instagram account where you can get updates for some of his future work. 
If you enjoyed this interview, please go back and check out our other interviews. At this point, we've had 44 interviews with people from all four movies from Cobra Kai, both actors and also people that have worked on the show. Uh, if you want to give us a follow on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Cobra Kai Podcast, on Twitter at Cobra Kai Pod, and also our YouTube channel, Cobra Kai Companion, Companion spelled with a K. Uh, as always, I want to thank everybody for your continued support. If you have a couple of minutes, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That would really help us out in terms of visibility. Uh, as people are continuing to stay home, they are looking for things to do. And hopefully, if they're looking for Cobra Kai and look for a podcast, they'll be able to find our show because of your support. So as always, I'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Cortem Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Cortem Parts shows, visit cortemparts.com.